Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games, and I'm here with Adam and Joel for another episode of Horror Express. And tonight we're doing The Shining, the 1980 Stanley Kubrick film. Uh, again, I don't think this one needs any description. Do you guys agree with that, or do you want me to read the synopsis? We just uh, oh, the discussion. I'm curious what the synopsis is, but I mean, I think we all know what happens in this film. Like, even if you don't know because you've watched it or read the book or watched the other movie or the other or other the thousand movie. memes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I still think you just see pure cultural osmosis. You've got it at this point. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I knew about, I knew the plot of this movie, like as a kid in school, just from people going around yeah. going red rum, red rum, red rum. So, yeah, you know, the, the, you know, the, every, everybody knew like all that stuff. And then it was always kind of around in the air somehow. You just, I just, and, and there were so many pop culture references to it. So, Oh yeah. Um, I think too, I think it just break down the plot points. It's such a simple plot yeah. that it make it, just make it into a quick ghost story. You tell someone in school in one minute is actually pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he basically, they, they go stay at a hotel together he kind of goes crazy and tries to murder them with an axe, right? Like that's the, that's it. You know, that's, just, yeah. that's there might the, be ghosts. It. So there might not be ghosts involved. It's a little bit, you know, hard to know for sure. I've also watched Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to this, which is a amazing, like considering this, this movie's status, like it was directed mm -hmm. by a genius, what have you. The fact that they were able to make a sequel to it, that I was actually like, wow, this is great. Um, real high marks on that sequel too. Uh, yeah. I, I almost watched that. that. Yeah, I was going to watch that before this, but then I'm like, no, I'll wait because I don't want to confuse anything or any of that. So, uh, yeah, I haven't I, read either of the books, so I'm just going by. Oh, the movie okay. Here. Yeah, I've I've read the first book, not the they second. They can hear you. Either. Okay. <laughs> yeah, podcasting. What would she say? Oh, she said she thought it sucked, but she's read the book. Oh, so she's okay. Yeah, that was that was Joel's significant other way, and um, yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, Dr. Sleep, I, it's funny because I, I just finished watching it and it brought up Dr. Sleep as a recommendation. Watch this next. Look, I really want yeah, to right now, but I've got to do a podcast. So, it's, oh. Yeah, I might, really I might watch it tonight or tomorrow or maybe not. Uh -huh. I don't know. Sometimes I get lazy and I never watch these things when I say I'm going to. But uh, yeah, but I haven't read the books. And so I feel like that's kind of both an advantage and a disadvantage in discussion. Like it it is. It, I mean, and it's good to have people that have and haven't to discuss it for yeah. that point, too. So wh why don't we just talk about what we think of the movie first, and then we can go on to whatever topics we feel like discussing. Because I don't think this this movie is so well known. I don't think we need anything heavily structured here. I think just an no. organic discussion. Um, so, I don't know, Joel, why don't we start with you? Since you're on okay, the bottom cool. of my screen, I think it'll just be easier to... <laughs> I'm your bottom uh, or, bitch, baby. Well, no, it's just that you're on the bottom right, and then Adam's above you, and then it's to me. So I think that's a, you know, it's kind of a counterclockwise type thing. All right. It works for me. I'm the biggest one in my screen because Skype uh, likes to flatter me. You see my mm -hmm. whole cat tree back here. Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm, a, I'm a tall, oblong shape in my screen. Yeah, yeah, I'm oblong too. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I, much like everyone on Earth, I know what was in the, I knew it was in the movie prior to seeing it, but I hadn't seen it. Um, until I was about 20, I want to say this is one of the ones like I had a little, a little mini renaissance in my early twenties where I knew about a bunch of films. Like there's this one, there was clockwork orange. Um, uh, there was a bunch by Terry Gilliam, like Brazil, but I'd never yeah. seen before. And I just, I'd heard about them. So I just kind of took that time in my life to watch and catch up on the classics. I watched the Godfather during that period. 
um I'd seen it previously when I was younger, but like I hadn't really saw it, seen it as an adult. It's different whenever you're a grown up and you watch The Godfather. Uh, but this is one of the ones that I, I watched during that little movie Renaissance for the first time. And I was shocked at how scary it was. Huh. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never seen a Kubrick film before this one. This is my first Kubrick film. Okay. Um, I'd seen snatches of Clockwork Orange before because I used to stay up late watching uh, HBO and Cinemax stuff like that when I was a teenager because it was the transgressive thing to do and they were sometimes boobs. Um, and so every once in a while I'd flip through those and it would be like sci-fi channel, USA, Nickelodeon. And then right after that would roll around to the early ones, which would be like HBO, Cinemax. Um, and I think Showtime was the other one. And uh, HBO loved Clockwork Orange back in the day. So every once in a while I would just turn on, I'd see those four dudes walking in a line or, or someone getting beat to death with a giant dong statue or a guy with his eyes pried open, I'd be like, nope, nope, not, not going to watch that because it's terrifying. Like, it's psychologically yeah. terrifying. And yeah. so I that's as much Kubrick exposure as I had prior to watching this film. And I think that would probably have been a much rougher entry into the world of Kubrick than this. This is still a pretty rough entry because, yeah, like, it it's shocking. The, the imagery in this film is nightmarish. Uh, yeah. the, the beautiful wide angle Kubrick shots and the long tracking shots of the hallway are mesmerizing and they cast a spell on you. Uh, and if you are watching this at home alone in the dark for the first time uh, and you have no idea what you're getting into aside from man goes crazy with axe, then you're not prepared for what this movie can do yeah. and what it does. Uh, so I was really impressed with it. I thought it was beautiful in a way I didn't have the vocabulary to describe at that point in my life. Nowadays, obviously, I'm a florid asshole. But but back then I was just like, I, you've got to see this movie was what I would say to people. If they hadn't seen it, I was like, you've got to see it. Um, so I was really impressed with it and I was really frightened by it. I really loved the the elevator full of blood. I thought that was the coolest visual. I think that's the and then like, that's gotten parodied a lot. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's so iconic that it's just like a part of the fabric of our culture now. But I couldn't imagine being in the in the audience uh, the first time that played and seeing the blood just gush out of there like a dark like lake. Oh my lord, what an experience that way! But like it would have been like being in the theater the first time the the alien burst out of somebody's chest, you know? Yeah, like well, that was the trailer you know, too. The trailer for this movie in the theater I remember was just the elevator doors and blood coming out and the music geez. playing, and that was it. There was nothing else. That was just oh the trailer. Oh my god. You could well, not I, see that. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. What a what a fantastic. But yeah, I, so I honestly like and the weird thing about this movie is if you talk about only what literally happens in the plot, like we just did. Yeah. You, there's no reason that you're like, OK, whatever. Yeah. That sounds lame. But then it's everything that happens between that. The, the, mm -hmm. the Jack Torrance's slow descent into complete nervous breakdown, his internal war, the the like Shelley Duvall, I think, is the um, uh, the mom in this one. Right. That's her. Um, like her performance is like this, this vulnerable, terrified woman, like everything about this movie, the performances, the, the cinematography, the, the mind blowingly brilliant direction from a true auteur of cinema. Like it's, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's, 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 it's a work of magic, this movie. And I've loved it for a long time. Uh, my girlfriend wasn't a huge fan. 
uh, she just read the book. She did the audio book and had absorbed the the Stephen King version of it first. And I remember hearing Stephen somewhere King's that not a fan either. Yeah, so. King apparently hated this film. Yeah. He did like a made-for-TV. I can see TV why version. too. Well, yeah. And also, I, it wasn't well received when it came out. It got she got a Razzie Award. Or no, she didn't get a. She got nominated, and I think I, so did so did he. Yeah. Wow, that's mean spirited. Yeah. Um, it's the Razzies. I mean, I don't know. I I. I, I wouldn't really take the Razzies as a as a mark against the movie, to be honest, because no, it was I, really. I, I remember being well liked at the time. I did. I did. I mean, I think most. So I disagree with the Razzie Award for her because I thought she did a great job. Yeah, but I think brilliant. that. But I think the reviews were kind of lukewarm. I think what the difference was was on the ground level. I think there was a lot. Oh, of it's just not the critical reviews. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Critics um, were terrible back then, yeah. as they are now. Um, but, uh, yeah, critics have always been garbage. <laughs> right. I mean, some Razzies are deserved, like Leonard Part Six. Yeah, that 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 does, that warranted a wet Razzie. But uh, yeah, but Shelley Razzie, this... the Razzies, the Razzies are a PR company that studios pay to give second lives to movies that didn't do as well in the box oh, really? office. Okay. So the people watch because the Razzies. Yeah, studios pay the Razzies oh, to wow. get a Razzie. Okay. So they can get but I, I thought, I, oh, I I'm think... going to go rent that. It won a Razzie. It's going to be hilariously bad. I, I can understand why people would think the performance is bad, but I think that's misunderstanding what she's doing and what he's doing with the scenes. So their performances yeah. are amazing. There's, there's a disconnect. Yeah. We'll get to Adams in a second, but there's like a disconnect between her and Jack Nicholson where it's like, she's starting a conversation with every, like she says something <laughs> and he doesn't respond enough. So she tries to start the conversation again. And it looks like a one-sided conversation. And I feel like that is the sort of thing that, you know, and also just the way she's, you know, she's not like a Sigourney Weaver type character. She's more fra fragile and vulnerable. Um, oh, she's, she's so I, and I think, yeah, I think at that time it was just maybe not as, you know, you know I couldn't imagine looking see. at this. I mean, like, and maybe this is because I've had a lot of like abusive relationships I've had to suffer in the past, but like, yeah, that's what they look like. They look like yeah, one person like an putting in way person. too much yeah, she, and, mm -hmm. and another person putting in almost nothing. Right from the yeah. beginning of the movie, when she's smoking the cigarette, talking—not the beginning, but when she's talking to the doctor and yeah. saying that backstory, it's like, "Oh man, this woman looks horribly abused." Like that's just the mm -hmm. the the the, she's uh, the vibe that she's people, putting out. All, all the clothes she wears are really concealing, so you can't see her arms or her neck. I mean, like, it's all there, yeah. you know. And like, maybe, maybe these wonderful film critics grew up in in nice households, so they didn't have to deal with that crap. But uh, yeah, someone who has. That's what an abused person looks like. She absolutely sticks the landing on this performance in a way that's almost like a reopening of trauma whenever I watch it. I'm like, oh, God, I know women like this. Yeah, uh, it's it's an amazing It's heartbreaking. It's brilliant. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I couldn't imagine giving her a Razzie for that. So, Adam, what was your reaction to the movie? I'll say on that. Yeah, I... Well, boy, I this was actually really interesting to me because I haven't seen this movie in about 20 years. And 20 years ago when I watched it, I had an old cathode ray television. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, I, and, I know what you're talking and, about. <laughs> and yeah, well, I was saying, you know, just the old, old pre-HD TV. And it occurred to me, I have never seen this movie on anything other than yeah. a cathode ray television before, just an old square television. And I'm like... Wow, uh, this is it. Just, just it's when the movie started and like the credits with the mountains and everything on this big TV with surround sound, and I'm like, 
oh, I'm oh. watching this for the first time. Yep. Yeah. Th- <laughs> I'm that's... like, yeah, that's right. This really is a Kubrick movie, isn't it? That's yeah, I actually I'm watched 2001 that. two days ago, so I'm having a, a nice Kubrick week. Yeah, I'm noticing that uh, this podcast in general, that because I watched a lot of the movies on television on VHS that wasn't widescreen, when I see it yeah. for the episodes, it's like, wow, I didn't realize this was a really well-crafted movie because I, I saw it like all chopped up on a fuzzy TV screen growing up. So I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. So that was an experience, but, uh, but yeah, my, my, you know, my experience, with this movie in the past, the, the thing I always think of is, is when this, the ads for this were running on TV and I was pretty young, I can remember my, my twisted childhood imagination when you'd see like a clip of Jack chasing Danny through the maze with an ax in the ad as a kid, it's my brain turned the snowy bushes into like these walls made out of human bones. That's what I okay. thought it was. So, which Holy I just, God, I, just dude. I, I just, I just, I, that was my impression of the movie. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that, <laughs> that, that terrifying maze of bones. And it's like, Oh, it's snow. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, but uh, man, this, but yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Uh, I can't really top much of uh, what's already been said, but uh, I, I'm someone that actually really likes the movie and really likes the book. I know some people okay. like to, they're different. And I mean, and as I said, I, I totally get why Stephen King hates the movie because they did kind of remove the character of Jack from the movie. And you've kind of got this different thing going on with that character in the uh which since it's movie, based but, on Stephen King, yeah, probably make him upset, right? Like it's well, you know. it 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 really, yeah. I mean, the, the stuff that they did take out is fantastic. It's like so I get him being upset about it. It's like because okay. the the book the book is a character piece. It's this guy disintegrating okay. from the pressure of trying to be a writer, <laughs> make a living as a writer while supporting his family and his life falling apart, and and all this supernatural stuff on top. But, uh, and obviously all of that is kind of washed out of this movie, but it's, it's just brilliant in other ways that it doesn't even really matter to me that they took that out. But yeah, my, my feeling on this movie. So I like this movie. I think it's, I think it's number one. It's very well crafted. There's no denying Uh how well made it is that opening sequence. That makes me, I'm, I'm terrified of, of driving on roads like that. So that <laughs> yeah. scene was making me uneasy the whole time. It it yeah. does a lot of stuff that like the thing does where it's it's this wintry place and you feel like you're in winter. You feel you know you feel the cold air. It just yeah. is a it's I'll it's, tell you it's, this. it's 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 a, it's a Kubrick this. huh? This film yeah. and the thing both hit way different now that lived in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I can, but yeah, uh, but yeah, because my reference point is the northeast. Well, yeah. So. Yeah, um, but while you're talking about the opening scene too, I have to say, having driven through the mountains out west last week, the fact her reaction where she's just kind of like in the car, just like, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, altitude sickness. I remember yeah. that feeling driving around. So yeah, I, I really, if I felt that was like the most nice touches they got right. There are mountain roads like that in Vermont, which I've had to drive up, and they're it's very very unnerving. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but so I mean, so I like the movie fine. Like it's a good movie. But it's not my favorite Kubrick movie, and it's not my favorite horror movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I wouldn't like, say either yeah. of those. So like, I, and 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 this time around, it's like really interesting because I was kind of like really chewing on a lot of the fan theories and different ideas about it. 
and it, it and, and and that respect i think it's a fascinating movie because it's so ambiguous it's like mm-hmm. deeply deeply ambiguous and you you could you could probably watch this 30 times and kind of come away with different ideas about what happened and what the meaning of it all is and so i think it's a properly kind of like layered movie with with lots of different meaning but also it's one of these movies that can carry multiple different meanings but they all still kind of work together um so i th- you know i think that's something very interesting about the movie and i think the performances are very interesting too I, again i think i think especially uh shelly uh shelly duvall and jack nicholson i think those you know they're, they're t- together it's just a uh i don't know like by the end that scene where he's coming through the door in the bathroom and she yeah. is like it's just abject terror like i've never yeah. i don't think i've ever seen anybody on screen like give themselves in that much to just being like afraid at an animal level for your life like that that's really impactful and also his performance because i think what was the movie that he was in before this was it one flew over the cuckoo's nest like what was the more mm-hmm. recent film i don't know i'm trying to think off the it was he was head. before that i mean uh that that was definitely before <laughs> but, i mean but was he was he this was this his first really hammy performance or was he or no hammy performance no let's like see. at this level uh Oh boy, uh, let's let's move on, and I'll look it up while okay. we uh, just because we'll the, come cra- back to the craziness <laughs> stuff. Like number one, I realized like that's been imitated by so many people that now when you see it, it's it's yeah. hard not to think like like and some of the stuff that's imitated it has been comedies. So like like, well, like you, this is an inch away from a comedy, but that's some, one of the things that makes it so unnerving to watch. But but what yeah, I'm saying there's... is now when you go back and watch it, you carry in what you saw in the. I mean, you're not wrong. It's, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to disentangle them. Um, oh. I really appreciated the performance watching it in this most recent time. Like he really seems unhinged. Yeah, I'm not knocking the performance. I'm just I'm uh, just wondering if this is like his first ja- like crossing the line from like playing different characters to always playing Jack Nicholson. Do you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying now. It's well, yeah, exactly. Jack Nicholson has that thing like, like, you know, the like Nicholas Cage has where sometimes he can just do the Nicholas Cage thing yeah, instead of yeah. playing the part, you know, yeah. it's uh to be fair. I love the Nicholas Cage thing too. Though. I love oh, the Jack Nicholson I, thing. Too. I like, I like, I like both of them. I'm just saying they just have that ability. It's like, which could be a good thing. But if they end up in a bad movie, they can, you know, if Jack Nicholson just breaks out the Jack Nicholson or Nicholas Cage, just as Nicolas Cage, yeah. it, it elevates a, a crappy movie. People, it's just people sometimes, sometimes want to see the Jack Nicholson. That's what they're there for. Like I remember back in the, back in the '90s, especially that was a big thing. Go, you people really oh, wanted yeah. to see, you know, the Jack but Nicholson yeah, performance. But, but yeah, um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was five years before this, so he was already known for uh, known for. But, but that was a more subdued kind of uh, <laughs> insanity. Yeah, it probably one, was this a little one, bit. Uh, this one was like, like okay, like the this scenes where really went over. the scenes yeah. were like he's in the bar, right? His personality totally changes. Do you know what I mean? When he's talking uh-huh. to the bartender, his mannerisms yeah. are, it's like a, he's like a different guy and it's very striking. Um, yeah. You know, and just, just, you know, and just again, like the facial expressions and everything, it's all very animated and uh, uh, lively. So, um, well, and, and the, the heart of this movie is in the scene where he wakes up from that nightmare where he's where he's attacking his family and he's like sobbing uh-huh. and broken yeah. and then immediately becomes defensive and edgy. Yeah. Um and then Danny walks in and the 
the the wife blames him for beating him up. Like that's kind of like that's the moment when you that's like the real only moment I can think of in this movie where you really kind of look into this guy and you see what struggle he's having. Where it's like yeah. it's a real battle between his like his best and worst natures. Um, well, because he's a sympathetic character, but we don't see much of that to give us sympathy for him. We're kind of just scared of him for most of this movie. That's that's the big difference between this and the book. I mean, the book being a book, you spend a good chunk of it in his head. He's much more sympathetic, and it's it's a much more gradual disintegration in the book. Whereas in this, you're you are actually a lot closer to the other two characters than you ever are to him. We yeah, never really, yeah. he's never really a viewpoint character in the movie, which is an interesting approach well, and it works. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a little odd. Kind of oh, okay. go ahead. Go ahead, Joel. Never. Okay. All right. Well, I just gonna say it's kind of odd. Cause like, I agree with you. And I think that, um, on the one hand, he's not sympathetic. He's, very difficult to like even because he's yeah. he's aggressive towards them from the very beginning but at the same time i feel like there is that thing going on in the movie where the kid is kind of annoying and she's also a little bit annoying and i feel like they kind of want you to feel the agitation he's feeling but they never want you to be in his head either do you know what i mean and so i think that can it does have a weird effect i think in the end i find myself sort of more following the 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 Shelley Duvall character. That's the character that I yeah. find myself rooting for yeah. by the end yeah. of the movie. Well, um, I, I root for her, but I don't really. I'm never in her head. I never feel like I'm a viewpoint character with anyone in this movie. I always feel like I'm kind of arm's length with everyone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You you it it does all feel like you're watching this from a distance to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Most movies don't have the boldness to do that. I think a <laughs> lot of movies. They, and then maybe it's just because there's a lot more. And I've been noticing this a lot when I watch movies. Now, whenever you watch a Kubrick movie, you can't help but watch other movies with a much more critical eye. Because we immediately yeah. book into this one with, uh, there's a new Marvel, like a horror Marvel movie thing. It's like an hour-long thing with Man-Thing in it on Disney+. Plus, and that's what we watch after this. And it's actually really fun. They do like a, a universal monster movie kind of thing with it. It's in black and white for most of it. It's pretty cool and fun. Uh, but I was noticing that they keep doing this these things like the little shot, reverse shot. You know, where it's like, oh, here's camera A on the character A, here's mm -hmm. camera B on character B. And every time it would do that, it would completely take me out of the movie and be like, oh, this is Yeah, Kubrick's good for, like, really lingering on it. Like, I feel like he chooses those the, the framing of the scenes very carefully, and so you kind of want that. Like, you know, and again, like I said, this isn't my favorite Kubrick movie, but all of the Kubrick movies have that quality where, you, you know, you kind of like, it's, it is like looking at a painting. And so, yep. um, yeah, but the, uh, but yeah, on your point earlier about, you know, what we're, what exactly are you saying? Basically just how you can come up with many theories because nothing is really nailed down in the movie. That's something I think it does share with the book because the book, there's a lot more detail in the book. Like I know, I know who the guy in the dog suit is. I know who the woman in the bathtub mm. is. I know all the stories behind them, but I you still like don't knowing. Yeah. Not no, knowing, no. Uh, no, I, let me finish. Let me okay, finish. The point is okay. that it, that doesn't explain anything. It only increases okay. the horror because you're not okay. actually <laughs> you're not actually getting you know this explanation. Oh well, there's this thing that this this spooky mm -hmm. thing, and if you do this on um, on the third night, it'll kill it or what? There's nothing like that. It's just okay. it's just all these. You basically just get more occurrences of these characters being consumed by the horror <laughs> of the hotel, I, whatever it might be. What I what I liked about the way the movie handled it is it was vague enough that I could project a lot of different things onto it. Um, I yeah. don't know if that you know how that pairs with the book, 
But I guess it would be a good time to ask the question, what do you think was going on in this movie for real? Like, what's the, you know, what's the most likely situation that we're watching unfold? Huh. I, if, I'll throw out a theory I came up with this time watching it. Just, you know, I mean, well, basically, you do have the thing with, you know, you've always been the caretaker here. Yeah. And the, the big difference between people always bring up between the book and the movie is that the Jack Torrance in this is always kind of crazy and kind of a jerk and not all that likable. There isn't as much of a disintegration as much as he just takes this final push over the edge. And it it does just feel like a homecoming. It's like, I feel like he almost yeah. is this monster who's, he, he's this monster who's been, been repressing his monstrous urges all his life. And he's finally found the place where he gets to be a monster. And, you know, I, it's almost kind of a night breed situation, you okay. know, it's, uh, but I, it's just a crazy theory that popped into my head tonight watching it. I'm like, huh. I think that's a reasonable one. What, yeah, it seems what, okay. Joel, what's your, <laughs> that didn't uh, sound yours. like a ringing endorsement, but uh, I, I think the, I think the hotel's a psychic vampire and it devours people and he got eaten and it, okay. it doesn't care about time or place. So okay. it's like, yeah, I, I ate you all the way back into the past. I made you part of the pre-existing <laughs> fabric of this hotel because i'm a ghost hotel fuck you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i think that um i think it's one of these so number one i think the movie is one of these things where multiple things are supposed to be true so i think there's like a secular thing that's going on that's supposed to be true which is that this is all kind of going on in this guy's head because he's crazy and it's like about the duality i don't think that, that works you know. though well let me that's finish actually. let me finish okay me finish. never so I, I think i think that's one reading that you can have of the movie that is valid. And I think that the other half of it is, is the supernatural aspect, which is that it's, it's, it's like, that's like sort of like the, you could call it like the psychological hell. Do you know what I mean? Of, of the, the movie. I think the, 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 my, what I like to think of it as is kind of similar to Joel's idea, which is that the, it's kind of like the hotel California type situation where, you know, you see him at the ball. And I know that there's an explanation that Kubrick gave for this, but my preferred explanation is the reason that we see him at the ballroom at the end is the hotel is kind of like perpetually throwing this ball for all of the people that it has sucked into it as, mm -hmm. as a ghost. You know what I mean? And just gathering yeah. souls. And so it's just trying to gather souls for the gala, basically, because it's, mm -hmm. it's and, and they're just going to constantly relive all of the all of the evil that they're performing. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of the way I like to think of it. Um, but I do feel like there is like a psychological thing going on also with the movie. So I, that's why I think you kind of have to split it in a weird way. Yeah, um, but they're, the supernatural things, I mean, you've got like Halloran getting a psychic message in Florida to come there. You've got, you know, Danny knowing what, what the phone's about to ring and what the message have, is. And there's just, no, it's you, just you full. have all that. But you could, <laughs> but you could dismiss the, there's one scene that, that like I, can't figure out an explanation for but, okay but like the phone ringing like well he knows his dad is going for a job right you know like it's not, it's when, not once you're going down there and you're watching a horror movie and you're trying that hard to say that it's not supernatural no, but, i feel at that point you're just not engaging with the movie i don't think so i think feeling. in this case i feel because because i feel like you the i enough of this feels like it could all be in their heads that i wouldn't you know what i mean like Again, the, the, 
the 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 scene the scene in the bathroom with the ghost that can all be going on in Jack's head. There's no reason why it doesn't happen. Yeah, but I'm talking about the movie as a whole. When you look at all the things in the movie, I mean, you can point to a scene and go, "Well, this could have been imagined." But I don't. Know, I think I think there's a really strong argument to be made that it could all be going on in in his head or in her head or a combination of people's, you know, heads. I, you know, I don't. I I I prefer the supernatural angle but i just feel like there's enough of that there that you know uh that the supernatural is sort of representing something else um, i feel it makes the mood that's the i don't know i mean how does it make anything more interesting i guess this, it just then, feels like because then i think you're getting more into psychology of mankind and like like because then you can start reading things like the maze is like his subconscious maybe or something you know what i mean there's like this is like mm. I, I don't know i just i can tell you're not interested but i i think that it's uh <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It would have been more valid. Here, here's the thing. The movie isn't called anything aside from The Shining, and the central conceit is that you shine. Yeah. So that has to at least be real. There is at least that element which is inarguably supernatural. You can't say The Shining is just some psychological thing. No, there's something going on with this kid and Halloran. They have some kind of magic. Now, yeah. whether or not the hotel is evil magic or it's just a representative of their psychological state, maybe that's up for debate. Maybe The Shining is just something a little more psychic and a little less magical, you know? So it's just like something that's human psychology just pushed to this next level. And maybe being alone in the same room with a kid that is kind of nonverbal, but communicates through this sort of shining was a little bit too much for the psychologically unstable Jack Torrance. And what, again, what we're seeing is just his crazy coming out. Maybe there's yeah, a lot, I, much more I psychology. Even some of the shining stuff a little bit. Like, some of it, especially, sure, some of it, especially sure. if it's but unreliable like, narrator stuff going on. Do you know what I mean? Who's but, the narrator in this movie, though? You'd have I to ask know. yourself. That's, no, that's there's no the narrator. There is no it's, narrator. Like it's, it's Jack Torrance having well, delusions about Danny communicating with Jack Halloran, and, and I don't know. They could all—all all three of them could be narrators, it, right? So well, that's here's the, the thing. I, I'm if this is coming from Jack's imaginings and everything that isn't just on Jack is him imagining what's happening, I can give you that. Because that, that removes all the psychological, uh, everything every ma everything magical about it, and it's just him going crazy at that point. It's the, if we go with the conceit that he's the point of view character, and we're not seeing him, we're seeing what's going on in his head, that he's an unreliable narrator, and it is psychological. I could give you that one. Mm -hmm. There you go. I made it work. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> So what but, are these? But I do prefer that... the I do prefer the supernatural one personally. I just think, I just think that it's one of these movies that doesn't. I don't think you can really ever settle on. Oh, this is the proper. I don't know. I st uh, I strongly do, but uh, I yeah, it just it just wanna, feels like. Want, well, I can tell you what um <laughs> what what I heard Kubrick had said about it was that it's supposed to it's it's kind of about re like reincarnation is a concept in it and. The reason we see him in the and people have like kind of expanded off minor comments he's made, but what it sounds yeah, like well, is it's the there like, you go. That's, that's from why the director that it's but no, but he also elements. he also undermines that by talking about like the duality and psychology and. The, but I don't the, the, I don't the think because the movie has like you're talking about psychology, but it's the opposite of supernatural elements. You can have all no no what I mean all is, kinds of psychology in there. No, what I mean so, is used to, I, I, he he. he I, I think that he was talking about it in ways that make it sound like it might not be in his head or it might be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. um, I, one interesting thing is I know that there's a story that he called Stephen King at like 3 a.m. regularly and asked yeah. him weird questions like, do you believe in God? And so maybe part of it is that 
and I don't think Kubrick had the beliefs that that King maybe had or vice versa. And so maybe part of it is 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 has to do with that. Um, but, you know, because I know like there's a conversation they supposedly had where he he said to King that like ghost stories are fundamentally optimistic because it means that you go somewhere after you die. And King was like, well, yeah, but some people believe in hell and are yeah. more afraid of going to hell than, you know, so, um, yeah. you know, so, so what I'm saying is you could sort of interpret this as a psychological hell that Jack is existing in because it's a, psych- yeah. well, the other thing Kubrick is missing so. is that ghosts aren't necessarily, you know, sapient or aware. They can just be psychic things. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Halloran says in the movie. Yeah, just exactly. Like, like um, pictures. So, so, Which but is- anyway, so here's the, so, so the theory, number one, it, it's all about the native American genocide. Um, yeah, that's another one. I, I, no, there's yeah. Native Americans in this movie. That I, were there? I didn't see any. No. There's, there's really... mention of Native American art. They mentioned the back background. Now, here's an interesting thing. They mentioned that they were fending off Indian attacks when it was being built in 1909. But 1909 seems kind of late to be Way fending late. off. It's made by yeah. yeah I... um, but no, actually, number I... 42 appearing in the movie a bunch of times. Um, uh, which you know is the the year of the final solution, and so that's why. And and if you uh, if you if you combine that with the Indian imagery, that's sort of the idea. Now, apparently, Kubrick or or it's a, it's out west, and there's lots of Indian imagery, and it's still the seven, well, 1980s. So that there's there's just a lot more now, Native American imagery around. Now, the one thing that does give this theory credence is there was a reviewer who mentioned that idea, and Kubrick apparently talked to him and I go, this is all according to this guy though so it's <laughs> you know what I mean? so so keep yeah. in mind the source but according to him kubrick was like oh you're like one of the only people to notice that about the movie that you know uh so uh and he and he was complimenting him um so again keep in mind the source you know <laughs> the only thing i could find in the movie that could add to that theory is what's the room 237 and this is yeah. like not a good argument, but it's it's the only. It's also from the book too, so it's it's not a it's not something Kubrick added. It's from the book, so. Oh, okay. So, so then I guess uh, so. Maybe people were pulling it in from the book as well. But the room two thirty seven, you know, if you if you add two to thirty seven, comes to thirty nine, which is the year World War Two started. And so, you know, if you pair that, yeah, with you're like, oh, numerology yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, there's no, no way. No, well, I mean, it's but it's at least grounded in the idea. If Kubrick was spending is his time doing things like that, I've lost all my respect yeah. for him. His good movies uh, aside, well, he's a hack. Well, you're gonna love the next one, then, Adam, because the the next theory is the Apollo moon landing fake. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Kubrick was supposedly involved. In. So that's to be the, fair. That Apollo Eleven jacket that Danny's wearing is the. I, I mean, like that's why. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, I was, like, a, I was a kid in the seventies. We all had moon landing stuff. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's it's just it's a okay, huge it's like, event. Like, Native American product <laughs> were were much more prominent in the seventies because you hadn't had the whole cultural appropriation. We must remove this imagery from our society thing yet. So it yeah, was. I, I don't like that the <laughs> cultural appropriation argument is used to purge us ourselves of other cultures. Like yeah, it's like the opposite of what you'd want it to do. I moved, yeah, yeah, I, I moved think here in America, it's American '79, and that kind of imagery was just commonplace. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's it, these are these are people who were born in 1990, looking at this movie and going, "Why are there why are there space rockets and and, and Native Americans all over the place? What's going on?" It's yeah, I not think everything that, is made for you. And, you 
good baby. And just and just in case people listening don't know, the reason that that's that theory exists is because there are people that say he helped fake the moon landing, and that two thousand one uh-huh. was yeah. sort of part of the research for developing that. Uh, I think it's a really weak weak theory. I don't buy it at all because I think uh, that we landed on the moon. So but, thoroughly yeah, debunked yeah. that it's unbelievable. But, but it comes up every time you look up. I, I I went down the rabbit hole on YouTube, and that one comes oh, up yeah. consistently. And there's even a documentary called two, Room Two Thirty Seven, and that that gets plenty of play <laughs> in that documentary. So it's at least worth discussing. Um, the next one is that it's hell, which I think is not oh, very controversial. Hell. Yeah, I, I I think that's a reasonable. Argument. Like they all died on yeah. the drive up there, and they're well, just in hell now. No, I mean you, you have to sort of stretch reality. It's not like a you can't do like a literal, the boy and the girl are necessarily in hell. Blah, we just blah, blah, did the, like, the fake Apollo landing, and you're going to tell me I can't say they all died in a car wreck? Come on. <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying is... I think I can. I mean, you could say that if you want to, but I, yeah, I, I, don't totally. think, I don't think that that theory is arguing that they died in a car wreck on their way there. Okay. I think the theory is... Because they were dead the whole time yeah. is always that, the best ending no. to any movie ever. The, the argument is that, j- that j- either Jack is in hell or that the hotel is somehow an entry point to hell of some kind. Um, well, what's the distinction between hell and what it seems to literally be, which is some kind of weird psychic nexus of horror. I mean, like at that point you're just splitting hairs. Well, you know, well I think having stated my own theory, the best theory, you know, is Joel's original one that it's kind of a vampire hotel sucking out souls. That really well, is the, the, that's the most the clearest King most theory, right? Obvious. Uh, yeah, exactly. The book, the book well, totally, I think, I think uh, the hotel is like a hell place kind of works too because it, it mm-hmm. fits yeah. notions that we have of hell um, yeah that's the second best theory yeah. so. and also the the guy i forget the the guy who's the head of the hotel just something about that guy <laughs> we don't have actors like that that's something i wanted to talk about wrinkles have vanished from hollywood we do not have yeah, actors with these wrinkly faces and look like, like normal are, people you see on the street. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just well, not just that, but you don't even see people like that really anymore. Like I think people don't age in the same way or something like that. Like that, I I would. That guy was twenty five, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's kind of got like a he he had like a a game show host vibe going on. You know, there's just something well, there's, about there's him. So leathery and yeah. awful about yeah. him. I I love that actor. It, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. smile and the leathery skin and the hair and everything. That's, and that's just the way he told the stories. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a smoker's <laughs> face. Um, but I, I could see him kind of being like a devilish type figure in the movie. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, uh, so I like that. <laughs> Most of these idea. theories are incredibly weak when you examine them with like just any amount of critical scrutiny at all. I, I really feel like a lot of is. a lot of no, the hell theories... I think is 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 solid. I think, I think is it one is... though? Yeah, which I mean, one? Like, which way is it meaningfully hell. hell? Well, the question is, let's 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 examine it. If it is hell, what happened with the sort of Danny and <laughs> I, and and Wendy escape from hell? That, like no, that's like, why oh. I'm saying you're not. I don't think you need to literally include them. Okay. As, you know, I, I think it's more about so Jack's they, experience right? of being tormented. Well, but they're people. Um, why would they be there, though? Why is the horror so I think, focused I think, on? I think them? no. I think what it is is it's it's almost like a, um, it, it, it's like a the, he's repeating his the act that damned his soul. Um, well, but, I don't considering so considering happen. she's the best performance and the most actual character in the movie. I, I just feel like if you make her into a figment just designed yeah. to torture she's not him, a figment. Just, he's reliving he's reliving something that really happened. 
So wait, so what we're seeing is not the thing that happened, but the thing that is the (laughs) thing that happened. We're seeing his experience in hell. You examine these with any amount of critical. I think it's fine. I don't have a problem. But I will give you. I will give you a more literal answer. There's a moment in the movie where he says, "I would sell. I would give my soul for a beer." Uh And 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 no, hey, and then the thank you. You know what's his name? Who is the bartender? Then Lou Lou Cipher shows up (laughs) with an egg. It was a name kind of like that, but I can't remember exactly what the name was. It was Lloyd, wasn't it? Lloyd, thank you. Yeah, it was an L name, Lloyd. Um, but he shows up with with the bourbon and he drinks and then, you know, um, and so and again, I would read it more figuratively, though, where it's like, you know, his mm-hmm. personal hell seems to be his alcoholism. And, you know, so but but and his, I, and I his do, temper. Yeah. Which but those seem related, like the alcohol, the temper. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Drink, drinking is not a great way to but, control your temper. But I think I, I think hell makes sense as a, you know, as an idea in that one. The, the next one is that these are all CIA-induced hallucinations, which I don't agree with this one, but I think it's a really fascinating theory. <laughs> I, got, I, would, I haven't heard yeah. this one. Please. I'm willing to hear this one. Okay, this so, the first there, one that's okay so there's a um, there's a poster, which for one of the other theories is also important, but the poster of the skier in the background that says Monarch on it, that's like some kind of CIA project. There was like the Monarch, pro- I might be getting the name wrong, but whatever name is on that poster, it was some kind of CIA my cigarette brand or something uh, i don't know that i'm just telling you what the theory is and so then uh <laughs> but but the idea is that they've been lured to this hotel in order for the cia to conduct you know uh jacob's ladder like experiments on them um which i think is is that that theory would hold up because you could see you could watch the movie and and if you ask yourself at any moment you know are they hallucinated you could say yeah sure so it holds up. Why, wait, wait, what's the connection to the hotel, though? Because the, all this stuff starts with Danny before they even get to the hotel. Right. What, what about the shining? I think like, oh, I, shining I, I don't I don't know. Maybe they maybe they put something in their water before they insert things into the movie that are huge leaps that have no context or foreshadowing from the movie itself to make any of these theories work. Well, again, I don't it's think that's the case. Right? I, I think I think with the hell one, that's not the case. I think with this one, the Apollo moon landing one, and the gen the genocide one, I I'd be willing to entertain more, but I just as a theme. But I if, but, thematically, I suppose. But yeah, like, it's, it's just, like, it's it's just some crazy number math of mixing up scr- number scrambles and right, right. Know, it, it's, and there's, there's no rigor to these. It's just descending into numerology. I. Well, There's it's no not, you know, but it's not, but it's not numerology if you're like referencing a date that was significant, was a significant. Well, if they referenced it, yeah, but the the letter, the the numbers four and two coincidentally happening in a movie where every single room has a number on it is not that's not significant. Well, I can't like, remember where, where does forty two appear in the movie. I'm trying to remember where. Lord knows, I don't remember it happening. Well, what's the significance of forty two anyway? I mean, the, right, that's, like, the, that's the that's the year of the final solution. That's what. No, it isn't. Nineteen. It's, it's not though. Forty two huh? is pretty far into World War Two. The war was over in forty five. No, right. that's that's when they started implementing the. That's supposed. Oh yeah. Like, huh. Yeah. Okay, I could be I mean, wrong. But again, but again, like. No one mentions the Holocaust or racial genocide. The only thing that's talked about is that it was a sacred site to Native Americans or a curse site or something, and they had to yeah. That's up. where that's where I think the theory gets weak. But I don't think it's like you know. But I, I still oh, think but that it's, no, it's that's the only place discussion. that it connects to the movie at all. 
it's not where it gets weak. It's the only place it connects at all. No, because then it's also because then you also have a movie that's incredibly violent about a man killing his family, and so it's bound up in these themes of violence and and bloodshed. And so I think it, I think it could work. Um, I I just, but it doesn't. I don't. I don't see how it ties into anything. Well, I'm not doing a good job of you. I I don't have all the bullet points of the article. I've I've read this theory. I read this theory in detail. I remember when when the movie when that movie Room Two Thirty Seven came out and stuff. But this one, it's just. It's like, okay, you found some things on the wall and you made up your own movie about a couple of items on the yeah, wall and that's it. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, the movie is so clearly mean, about what it's about, too. Like, Yeah, I, I know. That that's what makes me angry. Little... It's just like, it's a good movie and people just want to... I mean, it's fun, like, fine for like a Denny's at 2 a.m. and you're speculating, but pretending... You know, it's really? like, that, that would be a fun theory if someone came up with it and we were joking around, but just... I don't know. It just bugs me the idea that people are like that's the real meaning. I found well, I think, it's about I think racism. I think, Everything's I th- about racism. Yeah. Well, I think I I, see, I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm I'm bothered if people tell me that's like the one solution to the movie. But if it's one theory among many, I'm mm-hmm. you know I, I'm fine with. It. I, I don't think okay, it's a t- crazy idea. I just tell me, uh, tell me like the theory. The theory. That's the one I'm interested. in. You mentioned that before the podcast. I don't know what the Wendy well, theory is. Well, hold on. Got we, we, we got to get. Let's. We got to work through all the other theories before we get. Oh, to okay. Oh, God, so, why do we have to take all of our medicine before we get to the candy? Just give me the candy. To... Hold on. Hold on. So the the so we've gone through all the first four. So then the next one, and this one I think is really misreading, drawing on mythic imagery, and then putting that imagery as the center of the movie, which is not how it should be done. But, <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the idea is that it's about Theseus and the Minotaur, which that makes total oh, okay. sense in that okay, there there's go. a maze and he's definitely acting like a Minotaur at the end of that movie. But right, and I, then, I think he's then just... Danny's mother helps him get out of the maze by walking through yeah. with him. Before. Okay, okay, you yeah. know what? There you go. I'll give you. I'll give you that. That's a and, good reference. And also, just to bring that poster back in, that monarch poster, the skier, his legs look like a bull's legs. You can sort uh, of see. Bo- no, I think that's valid. You can definitely, like, if you look at that poster, it foreshadows like a bull-like sh- figure. I'm pretty um, certain that you would just put a bull in. Like, I don't know. There's I think so much Native American imagery in here. You could put a, a woven tapestry of a bull I, somewhere. I would agree really with want. you if there was no other Minotaur stuff going on, but when you have all the when you have the Minotaur stuff at the end, and there's a crucial scene in the game room with that poster, and it looks kind of bull like in the background, I think that Wait, it's, it's a not skier. Like, it's a skier, but the way the angle and everything, it has a real bull like posture. Um, and there's also another picture in the hallway where you can kind of see almost like horns. It looks like. Um, but either way, whether that poster is meaningful or not, I think that the um, that the Minotaur thing it definitely holds up. It's just I don't think it's the central point of the movie. I think it's a uh, it's a reference. I, I think it's, it's a, a reference. reference. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think that that, that could, that's clever. Could definitely, you know, and, a and yeah. a classically liberal, liberally educated person would probably think of that mm-hmm. reference and would understand. Which when it. you when you start getting into the Wendy theory and stuff, you could apply it in an odd way, but. Well, um, you're teasing me with this Wendy theory. How many more? I know. Right? You're, you're, great th- well, a lot of really people are angry it. about the Wendy theory, and I don't well, know. I want to be thing. angry about it, but like, I don't know. I don't know the argument of the Wendy theory. I just know the central point of it. So um, I'll, I'll take the. But point. before we get to that, there's the other th- the other theory, <laughs> which I think is I God. think is. Hold on. So there's the. Abuse How many theory. more of these? I'll there's tolerate the, exactly okay. one more. 
You got There's one the, more. Make no, it go. you're going to get two more because you're not going to get the Wendy theory if you if you God. don't get through this one. So the other one I, is the I'm abuse theory. I'm taking out the you're earbuds. You know, you're just interrupting me and making it longer before we get to the Wendy theory. <laughs> the, I, I am convincing <laughs> for the entertainment of our audience, sir. So, so no, there's there's the abuse theory, and the abuse theory has two basic. The abuse forms. theory is you. The abuse theory is that you just keep withholding the Wendy theory <laughs> until it's, that's not a theory. That's just the abuse no. reality. You're no, a monster. Continue. No, so so the idea is that Jack has been abusing Danny. Which I mean, that's that holds up. Yeah, that's that not a theory. Up. That happened in no, the movie. No, no, but <laughs> but no, but so there's this has two layers. Number one, but number okay, two, okay. it's it's more. It's not an accidental, you know, <laughs> pulling of the shoulder. He's been legitimately abusing him, and that that also holds up because the account where she says that he pulled his shoulder uh, is contradicted a number of times in the movie. The first time we hear about it, she says it happened five months ago. But then when he mentions it in the bar, he says it happened three years three ago. Three years ago. And she yeah. says that it was over school papers. And then he says it was over like a novel he was writing. So it's just totally different. So it must have happened multiple times is what I'm would be my take. Well, just to add, yeah. add something from the book in here, too, to support that theory, too. The reason why he's taking this job at the hotel it isn't a teacher anymore is because he hit a kid. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. And also, also, <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's, what, that's, how, that's how, how his life got so yeah. screwed up. Uh, it, it, but, uh, it also makes sense, too, because he's mean to them, like in the car, like he's really not friendly to that you, there's only one scene where he's even vaguely pleasant to her, I think. Yeah. So, well, yeah, well, I think, I think it's just a, yeah, there, the one thing this movie does well is just the, the lack of connection between Jack and Danny. There's just, there's yeah. just this total cold that, that scene where he calls him into the room and it's just like, ah, it's so yeah, uncomfortable. Well, the other, the other part, the other sort of, it's like an additional theory that sort of rides on this one is that it's a sexual abuse thing and that he's actually sexually abusing Danny. Um, and, and there's good, I think there's good arguments for that, but I don't think that you necessarily, I think the important thing is these there's abuse. Abuse. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it could be sexual. It might not yeah. be either way. It's, it's, yeah, I, I could, I could see either direction on that. Okay, he, but, here's uh, where I will actually entertain one of these goddamn theories they both go into the abuse room only him and danny go into that yeah. room and they both have what is possibly a violent and possibly a sexual experience yeah. there yeah. you go i'll i'll give you yeah. that one there's now, enough there's enough vagary in that that you might interpret that in a and bit people have gone over there's like people going over this with a fine-tooth comb sure you know you know because uh, they don't but have so then, so then the the Wendy the or they're film critics or something I don't know but the yeah like I said uh, they don't have lives like the we guy don't. that made the bunch, the documentary at least has a reason to be you know spending hours going at over. least that man found a way to yeah. profit off the fact he has no life so uh, the Wendy theory basically reverses that and says no Wendy's the crazy one and that these are all her hallucinations that she's having so the shining thing is her paranoia that that guy and Danny are having these secret communications. And oh, okay. there's an elaborate okay. argument that the, that the person who put this forth makes, uh, no, there's also a good one. Let's, let's give me, all so there's also it. a I, I very, like now, now here's where it's interesting because when I saw it this time, I watched it before I went and watched all these theories. And one of the lines that really struck out at me is when Wendy says, there's a crazy woman in room two, th or not, she doesn't say the room number. Huh. She says, he, and, and she tried to kill Danny. She tried to strangle Danny. And then as she was saying that, I was like, wait, is she talking about herself? Like so, just something about that scene. That's kind of like Munchausen by proxy with it, her kind of just, I was just psychic like, thing on the kid. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that scene. And then 
but then when you see the woman that Jack sees in that room, she's really tall, and Shelley Duvall is really, really tall. And so it, there's enough there that you could say, to, to Joel's point about only Jack and Danny go in that room, maybe there's a possibility that Wendy's been in that room too. And so, you know, and, and I think if you tie it to the, um, the Minotaur thing, you could mm -hmm. say maybe this is like an, like in a weird way, like an Oedipal, Oedipus type play where Jack is trying to kill them because <laughs> there's, there's like a sexual relationship between Wendy and Danny or something. But that, again, uh, a lot I, of, I could, you know, oh, I, ahead, I'm actually completely fine with that. I, I understand why someone might like just, see that. That's the I, only one where I'm like, no, nah, okay, that's cool. I just fight, that, well, I that, to fight that, so that hard for the health theory, but you just the, the yeah, Wendy theory, theory is I, no, the, the health theory the thing was with stupid. That, this the, one's clever. The thing with the Wendy theory, I don't buy it quite, but no, it does no, 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 fit. It does second. fit with the psychology yeah. of the characters, which is the problem yeah. with all these other ones. It's okay. like the, the genocide one. I'm like, it has nothing to do with the story. Whereas with this, yeah. it's like, okay, there is. It is because I mean. You know, you basically, you know, Jack is trying to sell us on the idea that, oh, you're acting crazy about your kid. And it's, he's he's the one causing the trouble and you're causing the trouble. And it's basically this theory is saying Jack's right. Jack is being gaslit by Wendy. Yeah. yeah. And it's the other way around, which I don't buy it, but it's no, it is an it. interesting. Well, I think that one that one story. line by her saying there's a crazy woman in the room. That's the one yeah, thing yeah. that makes me say that there's uh, maybe such something a wonderful there. line, too. Yeah. Like outside of this theory, just looking at that line, oh, what a haunting, un unsettling notion that there's just some unknown person that's injuring people, like injuring the most vulnerable part of your little party. Oh, yeah. oh, so See, so these, spooky. When when I when I judge theories like this, obviously there's the is it credible? Does it actually work? But there's also yeah. just does it. Does it in any way improve the story or anything? Like I said, the right. Wendy one, like if this were true, I'm like, oh, that that's an interesting twist as opposed to these mm -hmm. other ones where it's like, ooh, there's there's those numbers on the wall. Well, the it thing doesn't about, change yeah, anything. The thi well, the thing about the genocide thing is I don't think that's that's not really it's not saying that it's like adding anything new to the story. It's more like it's um it's just a layer of the theme of like uh -huh. this past oh, the minotaur one you said no the no, oh, no the that. other ones the genocide one it's like it's, it's sort of like it's like you have this like history of violence that jack has that's kind of coming to the surface it's like, like the history I mean? it's like of violence of people yeah. being violence yeah. in history it's just nothing there it's just like yeah people were violent in the past and people are violent now and yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. the thing there's the theories that try to right over what the movie is clearly saying and those i'm just going to discard entirely right okay. and the hell theory kind of at least the hell theory is one step further than that where it's like well there's an interpretation of what's happening that maybe like we're not doing the literal reading we're thinking like what what if we interpreted this in the light of these other ideas and are those credible or not and the hell theory has some credibility you know uh so I'm not gonna discount it entirely. I just think it's lazy. They were already, they were always dead, or they're in hell, or it's a dream. I'm done with that. Like, thank you. We've had enough of those stories. Please just tell stories. Yeah, but keep in mind, this was made in 1980 before we had. I don't care. Like, you know. I don't care when it comes from. It's stupid. It was always stupid. This right, is before make, I see dead people. It's, you know? it's never going to be about, I mean, we had movies like that. The occurrence before. of Owl Creek Bridge was still cool when Ambrose Bierce did it. Come on. I mean, no, no I mean, I get. I get that, you know, and there was like, you know, Carnival of Souls and a lot, yeah, but I just, I, 
you know, I, 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 but I think it's a valid just because the house is so strange and everything that's happening is so unusual that I, okay, certainly I, interpret that. At, at a minimum with that theory, I want to know personally when you think someone went to hell and who it is that's in hell. Well, my favorite is that that's he goes to hell when he when he sells his soul for the drink because I think that's okay. hysterical. But I think that's that, I think, I, yeah. But I think uh, I think if it is hell, no. I think the, I think more <laughs> realistically, it's more like you know he's you know we're, we're sort of witnessing him just re, that's what his hell is. We're watching this guy's hell play over again, and that's just you know uh, you know. And again, I think sure. I think whether well, whether we it's hell or Jack whether he's alone in, is in hell and yeah. like something happened. Well, and well, it might have been literally what happened here, but something happened in that hotel and he died. And so what we're seeing is Jack reliving that. Yeah. Yeah. In while he's in hell. And that yeah. we're really actually seeing. I, I don't feel like that's probably the case because the first half of the movie is just them driving to a hotel and being there for a while. And it just doesn't feel supernatural at all. There's the shining well, a little yeah, bit, but it's such well, a wonderful I don't know. The way part. that the way that, that scene on the road is shot is really eerie to me. And we never see him off of the mountains. Like he's always on the property, basically. Do you know what I mean? He's he's either in the car on the road up there. And he's never in the, their home with them. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's never so so there's something kind of disconnected about him from the rest of the family and everything that's uh I think kind of lends a little bit of weight to that. But um but yeah I don't know. I mean and again maybe not hell maybe we're just seeing well, this okay, haunting so play I, over. I, I'll exactly. go I'll go this far but, with you. I still think this is a but, middling theory at best, but let's let's say that the whole like Danny talking to his finger thing is him talking to it like an angel or a devil and his dad dies on the way back home. Right. So that's, he's just dead. And so any part where you see him in the family, that's just him kind of going to hell with these simulacrum versions that exist only in his mind. And so every part of the movie where, where it's just, that is just him in hell. And he's like slowly coming to realize that he's trapped in a nightmare of his own making. Okay, fine. That's not great, but I'll, okay, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it from an early '80s, late '70s when this movie came out. Movie, you know. But I like the windy theory. I like the abuse theory, and I like the imagery of the Minotaur stuff. That's not a theory. That's just an recognition that they're referencing uh, the Minotaur. That's not really. Uh, that's not a theory. There's not enough to that to make that what the movie's about. But it's a, it's a layer. It's an element. It's a but thing that's in the movie. Sure. I think the I think like the more official idea of what Kubrick was trying to do was that that uh the reason we see him in that photo when he was uh in like 1921 is that he is that was him in one incarnation now this is another version of him because he's been reincarnated and kind of condemned to repeat the cycle at the hotel it was uh I think that's like the official sort of reading of uh what's supposed to be going on okay. um uh, but uh but you know, again, I I personally like the idea of the hotel sucking souls into the the ballroom. That's sort of my uh, yeah. I think that's I neat. yeah. I like, I like I, I, you know, I, the hotel is such a wonderful character in this movie. You know yeah. Uh, it's no, just, that's what's. I mean, because I mean, because that that is the heart even of the book too. Is that that hotel in the book is just such an amazing thing. And I mean, that was that, I think so. Really, what Kubrick is doing is just getting the atmosphere of the book more than anything, and it. it yeah, I'm rambling. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but yeah, so I I don't know. Um, what was it? Was there anything else that I wanted to? Yeah, I over? honestly, the Woody theory, I'm fine with. I I don't think again, I'm with Adam. Yeah. That's clearly be... not what's happening. And... But it's a fun new way of thinking about the movie, and it, it provokes it, it interesting has... discussion about the yeah. characters at least. And, and it, to it be does. clear, 
I'm not doing the, I'm probably not doing uh, service to a lot of these theories very well. Cause I, you know, I just encountered them and I'm just trying to regurgitate them to you guys. So anybody listening who's a proponent of these theories, someone's probably certainly, feel free, yeah, certainly feel free to weigh in and let me know if I failed to And I'll lay tell out, you you're you know, wrong. Well, yeah, I remember having all these arguments on the internet years ago about these. That's why, that's why I'm so, so angry. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like it touched a nerve when, when these were brought up. Um, Plus it's just makes for I, better I, podcasting. Well, at this point, it's been a good 20 years where we've all been online and we've all had these arguments yeah. for constantly. And it's gotten to the point, I think, at least in my online career, where I am done suffering fools. There's a point in almost every conversation where I'm arguing online where I recognize the person I'm talking to is actually an idiot. Like, they're, they're not understanding something I'm saying. There's a nuance that is totally lost to them or there's a level of intellect operation they cannot get to. And I just check out of it. And I've, well, I think I'm it's also that, that people interpret things very differently sometimes. So sometimes people look at things in like a very literal way. Sometimes people look at things in a very non-literal way. And I think that creates a lot of, I don't know. And also I think there's like a, there's a game that happens on YouTube, especially when people are talking about movies where. Oh yeah. They, YouTube's you know, its own world. Yeah. So you know, again, and also I think I think the other issue with these theories, I I think I said this before the podcast, not during, but there's like an equal blend of reasonable things and unreasonable things, and that yeah. and sometimes they exist in the same theory, and that can be very frustrating um, yeah. because there's, it, there's it, no there's there's a way to think about things in like a sequenced logical fashion, and a lot of theories, and I'm using any air quotation marks for those who don't have the benefit of seeing me. Um, they don't have that. They just have these wild notions and disconnected ideas that are kind of crammed awkwardly together. Well, and I'm pretty open-minded. Like if somebody presents me a theory, I'm fine with a movie. Somebody saying, Hey, this is like my idea. What happened? That's fine. I, where I That's start fine. to get annoyed is there's like a, there's a proliferation of fan theories, uh, where people don't recognize that it's a fan theory anymore. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of um, hyper literal Wikipedia writers that have ruined. Because yeah, I I do like hearing people's like, hey, this is kind of how I. It's like <laughs> that's what you thought. That's fine. But I think when it's like, well, no, this was about Wendy being the crazy person, and if you disagree, you're yeah. Wrong. That's you're when I think it's idiot. a real. You're not yeah. clued in. Yeah, that's yeah, when I think like, it becomes. Go back wrong. to Wikipedia. Go go um, back to your wiki, dude. Especially because sometimes people will come up with a theory. They will only have one or two points that they hook on to, but then other people might find other things, and it becomes a little well, more robust. You hit but, those personality okay. types where they're 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 the person who they they the unconventional view. I I know the theory, so I'm smarter than everyone else. And so they collect well, these theories, and it's just like. Well, and think, th there's a well, difference in creation between whenever you're a creator who's originating ideas and then like the group creation of a fandom, <laughs> you know, and neither is yeah. necessarily worse, but only one of them sells. That's because they only really want to buy one of them. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, so I don't have a lot of respect for like big, giant, elaborate fan theories. It's like, okay, you all have mediocre ideas that you've attached to a work of genius. Bravo. Well, for me, what so I, the way I see, yeah. So, 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 let me weigh in on behalf of the fans. My, I'm not going to do a good job because I already sort of know where my argument is going. Oh, when I was, good. I see. You know, when I, no, see when I was younger, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't smoke marijuana anymore, or any of that stuff. But when I was younger, I did, and I used to love smoking before watching a movie. And if I smoked before I watched a movie, 
I was going to have a much different interpretation of that movie than if I watched it without smoking. Do you know what I mean? It's just like you're just thinking differently, right? And so yeah. um, I, I think there's like room for like the pot filtered view of a film, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and I'm I'm interested in hearing sort of the like and not necessarily limited to to marijuana, but just like, you know, anytime somebody watches a movie in an altered state of consciousness, I think they're gonna get something slightly different out of it than if they're, you know, they're not on anything or they're not in and you know, if they're just in a purely normal state of mind. And so I well, think that's fine. Um, I think it's well here, here's the here's the thing about that. You really view things differently in general as an audience member than you do as a creator of things. Yeah. I think when you create things, you have this understanding that you're never quite going to get your vision out there. You have like something in your head that's that's able to change with your moods and your your ideas as they change, and you can't quite get that living thing out. But what you get out is still something that is an, an echo of that original vibrant idea. And the ideas are usually pretty simple and pretty clear, you know? So whenever you have these elaborate fan theories, you're like, this is what it's secretly about the whole time. Unless that is as vibrant and clear and is structured and it's structured and obvious from the structure of the film or whatever work, it's probably just your own creative urge. You should have followed into its own unique thing. You shouldn't have applied that like a thin layer of white paint over the the house which was built which is the original thing well again you know? I'm, I'm fine with well, that exactly. if they recognize it for what it is do you know what i mean like i think there's no because there's no problem with engaging something in a subjective way it's just when it's like when it starts carrying weight to it online where people act differently do you know what i mean where it, when that, then then it's the problem um all right so i've got some theorizing of my own here okay, okay. it occurred yeah, to me if you remember my theory, I came in back when we first started about theories. I had my, uh, you know, it's his homecoming. He's just this monster who's returned home and found his place. I was like, actually, yeah, that fits really theory. well with the reincarnation theory that you uh, said yeah. may have come from Kubrick potentially. And but then the only the hole I have in that theory, okay, if it's because he reincarnated and he's come back to this place again and it's where he belongs. If it is a vampire that sucks in souls, how did he get out to be reincarnated, and why is he happy to be back? Oh, because is... it's um, I I don't I don't I don't know that there's an explanation, but I I think the idea mm -hmm. is just that it's sort it's it's almost it's all it's 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 not quite like Buddhist reincarnation, but there's like a little bit of something like that going on, and he's just repeating it because I either because he's damned and this is the cycle mm -hmm. that he's trapped in, or if you're taking it maybe a more Buddhist approach, he's he's still stuck in that that you know whatever whatever he's attached to whatever he's doing he's still stuck in that. Um, but I I don't know I I yeah, I, I don't I, like I, the reincarnation. I just throw it. I, yeah. I, so so he said reincarnation, so you have to deal with it because Kubrick himself said it. But I feel it's a little messy because I like the neatness of he's in the photograph because he's somehow been drawn in. And that's the you know that nineteen twenty one scene that we see the 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 gala that he was at that's yeah. sort of the perpetual thing that it's trying to gather people to that I but like that thing, idea. One uh, thing too is I think to an extent that if you're looking for the absolute true perfect answer behind everything, my guess is that Kubrick didn't have one because not not because he didn't think about it, but just because. There is just this metaphysical ambiguity to things yeah. that sometimes you just want to leave alone. You don't need to answer the ultimate yeah. question. You just need to know 
the, yeah, the, the no. points. So and, I don't also, know if there necessarily is a right answer here. And I, and I guess too, like it really depends. Like he, it, it, a lot of it comes down to how he edited it, right? Like there's, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that was cut out, and so, you know, I don't. Well, know. yeah, exactly. Let's think. Yeah, during the process, things change. When you're writing something, yeah. sometimes you change it, your mind about something. This isn't the original it, yeah. ending. The original ending was on. He was in the movie for like two weeks when it came out, and then he changed it. So yeah. There's I mean, a hospital so, so, scene. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually radically changes the meaning of the movie, I think. So I, I, I feel like you're right that the he he either didn't have it like it's he, he's maybe kind of like a sculptor. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of like. And, and, yeah, I, 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 I know. Because I don't mean it as an insult. Like, I don't think there is an answer. You're just throwing shit at the wall. I don't think that. But it, it it's just when you're dealing with weird stories, because Stephen King feels the same way. Like I said, yeah. there's ambiguity in the novel itself because you don't that's, that's a problem with a lot of modern horror movies is they have to explain everything to the audience and once yeah. you know everything it's it it takes some of that fear away but joel My do you know about the do you know about the alternate end not the no, alternate. No, this is news to me so there's another ending to this movie so in the in the original ending, it doesn't exist cover, anymore yeah so Whoa. like for the first week or two that it came out this was the ending it had and then kubrick's like nope i'm gonna change that ending and he changed yeah. it. And so this is now the end. And I think he had a deal where, like, whatever the final cut was, they destroyed everything else so nobody could ever recut the movie in any other way. Yeah. And, so, and for people yeah, that are so, younger, remember, back in, the, back, in, back in this time period, movies were literal film reels that were delivered to theaters yeah. and traveled around. So for a long time, you would have, you would have, like, weeks where the movie would just be playing in New York City, which is why he could edit it, because it yeah. hadn't. You'd go into wide release slowly over time, and movies would spread out around the yeah. world. But, but, wow. but in this ending... They're recovering in the hospital room, and the the hotel manager shows up, and he and he and he and he informs them that they could that they couldn't find the body of Jack, and uh, uh-huh. and then he and then he gives the boy the ball that he found in the hallway, which again having that hotel manager be the one who hands him the ball, <laughs> I mean that I mean I don't even know what that means, but it definitely changes everything if that's it's, if that's. Uh, you know, because it suggests that he was maybe the one that rolled the ball to Danny, potentially. Um, yeah. And that he was more involved in all the stuff that was going on. Um, hmm. <laughs> wow, that's, but, yeah, that's super eerie. Yeah. Well, so, and the but, fact that it's still a living horror, I feel like at the at the minimum with The Shining, you feel like two-thirds of that family escapes. You know, they're, they're gone. They're free and clear at the end of the movie. It feels like it's pretty unambiguous that they're the yeah. hell out of there. But Jack yeah. gets left behind. But the fact that it's able to kind of still reach out into their lives afterwards is is unnerving. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. I would agree with yeah. that. I mean, I, it's I a don't darker know, ending, definitely. I, I don't know why he decided to change it, but it's interesting that he did. Um, yeah, but yeah, to, to compliment Kubrick on a really cool thing he did, a change he made for the book to really mess with the audience. Because the book was hugely popular, you know? So, so many people that had saw this movie when it first came out and read the book but basically Halloran the cook he he survives in the book he does show up he rescues and they all get away on the snowcat together and so basically if you were someone that saw this opening night in 1980 and you read the book you're like I know what happened so I can only be so scared when Halloran takes a, uh-huh. an axe to the chest it's like all bets are off. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen now. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's cool. 
that is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I love that the, the movie, and really great horror movies, because Psycho did that too, where it really fools yeah. the audience. And Sixth Sense did yeah. that as well. It fooled the audience. Really masterful. Yeah, I was 100% fooled by Sixth Sense. I was definitely, I was not one of those people. Oh, yeah, I was taken. Yeah. It over my head, and it's total mind blow at the end. And I love that the movie ties it together for you. It connects all the dots. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God. You're so much smarter than me, M. Nice Shyamalan. And that was the last time literally anyone on Earth said that. <laughs> well, you know, if he had just quit with the with the twist endings, I think it would have been better. If that yeah. man died in a car wreck, then he'd be remembered as a legend today. Well, some people like, yeah. um, what's the other movie of his that some people like? Um, is it Unbreakable? Is that the name of the movie? Or? Unbreakable is probably his second most popular yeah. one, yeah. And I, I've it's heard weird. people like Signs. No one watched that. Because Signs, Signs is was awful. Popular. Was it? I haven't it was, seen Signs. So I don't even the know. first half of it is great. You're like, wow, this is really atmospheric and exciting. And then the ending is just no. It's okay. so. Bad. I have heard about the ending. I know that the ending is very it's questionable. So bad. The thing is, the thing is that Shyamalan is a fantastic director, and he's a he's sometimes he can write, and a lot of times he's a terrible writer. It's flat out terrible. It's like if he would just have other people write screenplays and he directed them. I feel it's like it's just that much too vain to make that happen, though. Exactly. exactly. Lady in the Water is a great example of that. If I ever needed yeah. a movie <laughs> where I'm like, this is why this guy fails now. Yeah. Lady in the Water. Oh, man. It's got such yeah, a good I, beginning. It's it's so creepy and atmospheric and culty body. Uh, you should love movie. the first half of it, though, because the know. first half of it's really brilliant. I hated every minute of that. I that's fine. I, every moment I, of that movie. I really um, loved the first half of that movie. And then the film critic is wrong. And so everything goes to hell. The, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. no. Yeah, the, the film critic was was when it really got too much. That was when yeah. it was. And then the writer writing something important that the world needs. So to important. Yeah, yeah, it was very. This anytime, is something very And he looked at, a little bit like M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, wait, wasn't it he M. Night Shyamalan? literally M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I'm not talented enough to make, write a story that is the one that will change the world, but I'll write a story about me writing a story it's, it's that's like going to change it's the, the world. It's the greatest song ever, right? The, the, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> a tribute. This yeah, is a, tribute. Yeah, it's Tenacious D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this is not the greatest movie in the world. This is the greatest movie in the it's world. It's about me writing the greatest movie in the world. In the world. <laughs> maybe, that's why, maybe that's why the lady in the water sucked, because he needed to have it in framed in a bad movie so <laughs> there you go there you go yeah but yeah I, I don't know um no anytime anytime you get into something where they're attacking the critics in a in a in a movie or tv show it's like okay you guys are just venting your i don't know you're doing it's I don't, like you're I not, don't like you're not when, trying to entertain us anymore i don't like when shows get meta that just irritates me like when they're when they're talking about something but they're really talking about the show that bothers me. Um, yeah, it can work. It can yeah. work, but it's 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 been done I don't so need it. much in the last I, couple of decades. Yeah. It's really hard to do anything good I, with that. Yeah, I point, don't ever out. need it. I, if if nobody ever does that again, that's like the one thing that like anytime but, it happens. But wait a minute. What if we made the movie about the movie? Just yeah. slap him. Slap yeah. him yeah. in the face. Whoever, whatever coked out producer suggests that, well, just shoot them out of a cannon. Especially because. 
eventually the context of the movie passes and it's just i don't know it's just uh, well i i don't know if you guys watched she hulk but the last episode of that she literally comes out of the screen and goes into the writer's room and (laughs) criticizes all the writers for it being a cliche marvel movie and the writers of the show it's so brilliant we we dissected what's terrible about marvel and wait wait, did that happen that happened that's the final episode of the show and you were you were Okay, it's one thing for us as losers on a podcast to rip apart movies and TV shows and stuff. You've been given a Marvel TV show to show what you can do. And all you're going to do is go, look how stupid Marvel movies are. Look, look at this. Everyone this dumb? Isn't this dumb? But, but we're going to have on the last episode, well, we're going to tell you we did this dumb on purpose as to show you how dumb it is. It's like, so as the guy who doesn't like Marvel stuff, would that then mean that I would enjoy this show? It's or meta. Well, it's meta. It's meta. Okay. You know. So yeah, they, they lost me at the meta, but maybe I agree yeah. with them in spirit if they don't it, like marvel it's movies. it's a terrible show uh, but, uh, <laughs> i, 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 I didn't have a problem off. with all but the first 35 marvel movies i was pretty much on board now i've just kind of gotten to the point where i i can't keep up i can't like, there's another up. black panther movie and black panther is not going to be in it what the hell is it going to be about yeah you know yeah, like I don't know. I, ant-man I, 3 there was there was two other movies so, of so Ant-Man? here's the question is is this is going to be a really stupid question, but is the Transformers movie considered a Marvel movie by any chance? Oh, God, because it's a Marvel property, isn't it? No, oh, I don't there know. Were Marvel I, I don't com- know. There were Marvel Transformer comics, I think. Yeah. There, no, there were like, comics of some variety. Yeah, Marvel and Sunbow did the cartoon. So, I don't... Yeah. So I, I still... I file Transformers in a similar realm as but yeah, no they're, they're not well there's the okay. the mcu they are not part of the mcu okay. so that's iron uh, man so a lot of ghost right? rider isn't part of the I, MCU. i think i've he seen clearly is a marvel character i think he just... is part of it now i think they is brought he? him in one of the tv shows or so i forget i i there's, seem to remember yeah, he the made TV a shows are doing weird stuff with canon apparently kang the conqueror was in one of them Okay. Yeah, he was in a Loki show. It was it. Well, what was funny is that Doctor Doom. Like, what did he do? <laughs> oh God, King. Yeah, the King thing was not good. I uh, okay. I'm I've not looking seen, forward like, to Iron Mark Man King. one and two. That's like the limit of my. The, and you're you're good. Bits, you, you've seen, seen enough. Bits of I, I only like the original movie. Hulk movie. The one that was well, Hulk movie. I like the first. That's Hulk the only movie, one I yeah. watched. Oh, I saw that one too. I did see that one too, and I did. I did enjoy that. Yeah, it was the Hulk. Yeah, Hulk it up. I still yeah. would take '70s Hulk over what that was, but I did enjoy that. Um, I don't know. He was really big and chunky. Like he was a he was a hulky Hulk. He was chunky. I, I like uh, I like I'm, real I like real guy Hulk. I think that's like I don't know more. <laughs> you know, get get your CGI out of my Hulk. No, it's just it's just. I just I want to know. see a huge, shirtless, muscular man. I don't want to see a cartoon. <laughs> no, but like when I grew up, we had like one, we had like live action Wonder Woman and give me know, muscles I can feel. Holds up. I I love live live action Wonder Woman. I love when she spins around and transforms. Yeah, Linda oh, Carter. Man. I yeah. fucking I, I Linda Carter is great. She's yeah. she's quite a physical presence, and she has yeah. two huge talents. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shut up. I don't know. I, 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 but I'm just not into superhero stuff generally. The Shining that's, people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, we're, uh, we're meandering. We do this at the end of the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is, uh, if, if you came here for The Shining, you can leave. If you just came here for random crap, hang around. <laughs> but, uh, but, anyways, yeah. yeah so, so I guess, I guess final thoughts of this movie. 
honestly, this movie is a little bit too. Um, what's the word? It's a it's a little bit too uh, literary for me. I think um, as as a horror fan, and I think that's why. Yeah, that's why it's not my favorite horror movie and not my favorite. Well, hey, here's here's my what's uh, what's your favorite horror movie then? Like, if you had to just um, throwing one out on the wall, like, what are your favorite? I mean, that's tricky. That's a sure, tricky. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, I don't really think about but, like, it. But right, I know that right this now, is not it. Um, right now, if you had to like give someone a recommendation, like, here, I don't know the howling. The howling is really high on my list. Howling, howling is, is awesome. a really high movie. Um, mm-hmm. I love Bride of Frankenstein. I love Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Man, Bride um, of Frankenstein was great. I'm so yeah. glad you made me watch that. Yeah, I, lo- uh, I loved that one. <laughs> I love um. You know, I love a lot of Hammer movies. Those I think are great. I, What's the one I love Chris Candyman. Movie? Candyman might be my favorite. Oh, oh that's Candyman great. is yeah. great. Yeah. And that's and that's I think a pretty high level horror movie. But it's not like like this is th- this Barker, is like literary is fiction level horror. Do you know what I mean? It's like a yeah, different. Yeah, this is... And and I think the reason. And again, I'm not a Stephen King fan, so it's not like I'm offended on Stephen King's behalf <laughs> that he doesn't like the movie. But yeah, I am a little bit bothered. And I love Kubrick, don't get me wrong, but I am a little bit bothered that he bought the rights to a Stephen King novel. And then he's like, no, I'm going to bring in this literary person to make it more literary. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it feels I, like it's... Well, you know I mean? well, no, 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 no. I would. The thing is, honestly, you would agree the book is more literary because it's a character story. It's very much about Jack Torrance's character, his personality disintegrating. So I would say the book is actually more literary. He made the movie less literary okay. to an extent because there is I, but I, I mean know, I mean in the sense of like literary like it's a book that you would read in a college course. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, it's like sort of a liberal kind of arts kind of thing. Yeah, okay. like not not like I get to say it was a character like I love character studies, but what I mean is like it's um it's more I don't culturally know. literary. It, yeah, it's like so it, it's it's yeah, it's got like a uh, a kind of an elite there's like an elitism in it. That I feel like I don't get that vibe from Stephen King, even though I'm not a yeah. Huge yeah I, I'll, I'll agree. I'm I'll never going to complain that. that he's like I'll an agree elitist. With that. Yeah, I, um, I just don't let the I just don't think the elites on literature. That's all. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. But but you know what I mean when I create that. But but that's what bothers me about it is you. It's like hey, you, you have a great story. I'm going to use now. it, but now I'm going to like make it better because I don't think it's as good as it could. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like. He was yeah. maybe saying. You know what I mean? Well. Um, I don't know. I just, I, there's something about that aspect to it that irritates me a little bit, both on behalf of Stephen King, who, again, we've established I'm not a fan of. Um, but I still sort of, <laughs> but I think I that you and Stephen King people. would like drink a beer together at the same so, bar. I, yeah, he's, he's a when you say, when you say not a fan, you're just not, have you read any Stephen King? No, I haven't read, I've only read a few okay. of his short sto- stories that I haven't like sat down to really read his novels and his short based, stories like, are the best yeah. stuff so I, yeah. I, I, I like the movies i like plenty of the movies that his stuff is based on but i've never felt like after i've watched one oh i gotta go wa- read that book that's sure just, you know that's just They're very my... different experiences yeah. if you've got skeleton yeah. crew you probably have the best single thing that king ever read um yep wrote read yeah, okay skeleton crew skeleton crew and night shift that's yep. if you've read that Five, and like enough. it's not like the man's not a genius like i've read a lot of his novels like it is one of my all-time favorite books it's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. masterpiece but like honestly like if i'm gonna read king i'm probably just gonna reread skeleton crew uh, the, yeah, my yeah. favorite thing he ever wrote was the uh, battle of the flexible bullet which i think is in skeleton oh, crew. It's unbelievable oh, 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 oh. 
Talk about yeah, a those are the those are the only two Ske- Stephen King books on my shelf aside from on writing or Skeleton Crew okay. Night Shift. That's it. Yep. And the and the other half of that thought was just that there's there's that and there's also just there's there's a point with certain horror movies where they kind of get too good for horror if that makes sense and, <laughs> and so this movie is really if it's not crossing that line it's really I would say it's crossing it. I would say an interesting brick. So you know an interesting. I, I, Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead because I pretty much fight you two. Nerd fight. No, 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 no. I want to see what Adam has to say. <laughs> yeah, I also want to see what Adam has to say. You're outvoted, Adam. Oh, I, I forgot. No, man. no. I, uh, 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 let's see. What was I going to say? We were talking about. Uh, man, I lost my train. I was saying like it's, it's like thing, too good but... for horror. And oh yeah, I was going to say an interesting thing about this movie is that it, it basically is in a lot of ways, very mild as 80s movies, horror mm. movies around this time were. So I saw it very young. I was probably like in middle school or something when I saw it, one of the first you know, horror movies I saw because, you know, compared to like a slasher film or something on paper, it looks like, oh yeah, this is something you can watch, but it's so much scarier than most of the stuff that is gorier and, yeah. and in theory more objectionable for young people. So I, uh, I, I, it's just an interesting juxtaposition with this movie. But yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's just sometimes I get a little bit, I, I, I react a little bit to horror movies. Well, like I, I think so you're much. reacting to the, uh, the sort of cultural aspect of this movie, the, the attitude mm-hmm. that it has. Because you're right, it's just, this is more of a film and less of a movie. Yeah. You know, I think with, with horror, and, and me, I, I was watching um, I was watching Halloween Ends with my with a friend of mine recently. Went to the theater and watched it, and I got this vibe from it. Right, right when they get to about the midway point in that movie, they like go to a bar and they're like wearing Halloween costumes, and I I recognize a lot of the actors in that scene. And I was like, it feels like coming home. You know, it feels like going like whenever you come, whenever I like watch horror, almost all horror. It's a small industry. It's kind of a niche within the greater film industry. And like there's a there's a familial energy to it. Like we all kind of love the same things. It's it's a one of the only surviving like like micro cultures, you know, like subcultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a horror subculture is still alive. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of other subcultures got kind of like co-opted, like even the gaming subculture, yeah. like the role playing game subculture got like really co-opted by Hasbro and all this crap. Horror yeah. subculture it's too gross. People just don't ever really like people are just like, Oh, only on Halloween. Like nobody can seem to turn a dime from it in a way that it's makes like, it corporate. So like it's, place it's nerds hang out where no one else still wants to hang it's, out. It's with fine. Them, so. It's finally about something gross enough that the normies will fuck off. And yeah, this movie doesn't have that feeling, right? You, you don't have that feeling of, Oh man, look at all the, look at all these references. Bruce Campbell's in this one. Like none of that. <laughs> None of that is in this movie. It really feels like yeah. some auteur asshole was like, I will show these fools how to make true horror that terrifies the soul. <laughs> like, there is that about this movie. Like, you yeah. can't really yeah. divorce that. But it me. is a good movie, so I feel like really? I can only say so much in that direction. Like I said, I love Kubrick. It's just I would much rather see him... I don't know. Not just what Rob Zombie did direct it. Is that still wrong? No, no, I don't like Rob Zombie. So, like, I you know, don't get, don't read me the wrong way. Rob Zombie's The Shining would be a yeah. great movie. I saw, I saw that movie. He had a movie that's set in Salem. I can't remember the name of it. Oh God, well, I was trying to, yeah. I, tried, I tried to watch it, and like the first five minutes, he's got a coven of witches, and I'm just like, yep, wow. it, like I, to the I point, that man, yeah. to the yeah. dumb, uh, stupid point, yeah. Um, but 
I don't know. No, I, I just like I love two thousand one. I love I love Kubrick's, you know, uh, work there. I love him with a Clockwork Orange. I loved Sp- Spartacus is one of my favorite movies. Um, and again, that's not as that doesn't have like the Kubrick feel because it's like a big, huge Hollywood thing. But you know, I I I, I, I like his movies a lot. But something about The Shining, I'm a little uneasy with just because it's sort of like, well, you're now you're like you know, roaming in. It's a, Stay in your neighborhood, a, college boy. Yeah. It's a. It's a <laughs> I don't know. It, you know it is like, like it's, I, I, people who love it, I can't argue against it, and I like it. I just can't, you know, I can't give it the ten rating. I have to always give it a seven, or you know. Yeah, I, 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 mean? I also agree that there is something about this particular film that is a little snooty, um, and as as a result, sure. it is an imperfect horror movie. Um, because I think the perfect horror movie, the closest you can get to perfect horror is something like Nightmare on Elm Street or Alien, which still have that kind of horror movie vibe. They feel like yeah. they're rubbing shoulders with other horror movies. This yeah. one is definitely the weird kid in class. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Alien is very, like, high-quality movie. It's just oh, that it's, it's still, there's, 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 I don't know, there's, there's like a, a level of filth and to it. Yeah. In a way. yeah, there's a level of gross to that yeah. movie. That this movie, this there's something about this movie's vibe that it feels like it's wearing those long surgical gloves the whole time. You know, it's just not quite to the point where it's like visceral. There's nothing, yeah. even though there's like so much, there's literally a lake full of blood that comes out of a, yeah. of a, of a, you know, a, a, what do they call those things? Elevators? I literally work in a hotel and I think of the word elevator. Yeah, elevator. Uh, also, weird. By the way, this movie hits way different if you're the night shift on a hotel. Just throwing that out. There. <laughs> yeah. Every well, time I, I go, like I've been doing the stairs lately because of that stupid blood elevator. It's a very creepy movie. Like it is definitely very scary. And that whole idea of being a family alone in a hotel all by yourself is mm. definitely creepy. Like that, like, yeah. no, like no question about that. Um, and 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 again, I can't I can't deny the filmmaking. The filmmaking is great. And I don't. It's not like I hate the movie. I just have this little doubt about it. You know the same doubt that made me not want to go see the witch. You know when I, when I you know, which, uh, you know that same sort you of. You loved thing. the witch though. We should probably all watch that one in one of our little podcasts because, like, you really oh, enjoyed that's, that. Movie. Yeah, that's a great movie. I did. Yeah. I really did. I was surprised. I think. I think part of why I liked it was because it connected so well to New England in an authentic mm-hmm. way. Um, but again, there is also a part of my soul that's like, well, I'm also. I'm also not a fan of like this whole folk horror thing that's going on. That this is a part of, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a piece of me that's very resistant to it. Um, so, you know, Oh, the warring tribes of your soul. Yeah. Right? yeah my soul is torn asunder by, <laughs> <laughs> but, Man, but our yeah. final thoughts went, went alive for this movie. Yeah, it's, we so. can talk about this movie for a long time. And that yeah. is, that speaks to just how fantastic it is. So, um, so would you recommend The Shining, Brendan? I would recommend it. I would highly recommend <laughs> it. I think that it's I think it's I think it's undisputably a classic movie. So regardless of my opinions in all those realms, yeah, I, I, it's undisputably I th- a classic. And it's had a massive, massive impact on the culture. So I yeah, think you have you to see it just it. to understand all those references to it. Um and, and the and the filmmaking is you know, it's like yeah, Kubrick. Like I feel like I feel like this is like I like the movie Full Metal Jacket, but I feel like by Full Metal Jacket, Kubrick had kind of lost a little bit of touch with mm-hmm. who the people that he was filming that he was filming for. And this feels like the last movie where he was still. I don't know. He had firm like he was really firmly 
planted. Yeah, um, Kubrick so. drifted away from the his own humanity a little bit as his films continued. Because Eyes Wide Shut's other one where you're like, well, what well the humanity's f- not the word that leaps to mind when I think Kubrick. I think yeah, uh, well. yeah, I, I, like 2001 is like the least human movie possibly ever made, but it's really? just fascinating. I mean. Is that a human movie? I mean, there's absolutely no, there's no there's almost no soul to that movie, um, you know, and I love it. It's one of my favorite films, but I would I would it's sterile beyond belief. It, 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 the, the most I, the most fascinating character yeah. is a robot, right? Like it's a yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 and, 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 and the humans don't even emote at all. Um it's the, the the apes have more emotion in that movie than the humans. I loved the um, apes in that yeah. movie so much. Um, God, what a brilliant movie that was. But yeah, it, I, it, I just don't think I don't think he cares as much about people as ideas. I feel like he's that kind of filmmaker. Um, uh, fair enough. I, yeah. We all have our our manias. Um, yeah, and I don't I, I don't, I don't think movies have to be about people. I think they can be about other things. I think that's fine. Um, and in this case, it was literally about a black and inex- completely inexplicable obelisk. God, what a what a wonderful. No, it's explicable. It's a um. Sure, it is. It's, it's trans. No, because it, it comes from the Arthur C. Clarke story. So the, the, he and Arthur C. Clarke wrote oh, two thousand one together. We got to do the reading for the film, and it was based. Yeah, it was no, based on I, what was I've it? Never, the Sentinel. Never was that the name that. of the story? The, the, the uh, yeah, the Sentinel is the original yeah. short story, yeah. which I absolutely is, refused it, to read it. It's a good oh, story. it's so good. Yeah, it's, nope. it's very different. Because basically the concept, it's the opposite of the movie, really. Because basically the, these these astronauts find this this <laughs> this this machine on 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 the moon that's that basically has this force field around it, and then everyone's trying to figure out how to get this force field to get to this machine. They eventually manage to shatter the force field, and the device all it's all it's set up to do. If anyone breaks this force field, it sends a signal into deep space to warn somebody that, that life yeah. on Earth has reached the moon. Yeah. And that's like the end of the story. And it's just like, oh, and, is that a good thing or a bad yeah. thing? That just just let and somebody it, out there know. And in 2001, the book and in the movie, too, it's just not explicitly stated. The obelisks are that same kind of thing, except in this case, what they do is they help accelerate human evolution and bring us to a higher level. So that's why the apes are able to master technology from. Oh man, it's the, almost like if you yeah. watch the film, it clearly indicates that as the apes evolve to the use of tools yeah. whenever they encounter the obelisk, yeah. and again to more sophisticated tools when yeah. they encounter it on the moon. I mean, like, I don't need a supplementary reading to let me interpret you, this. I understand. Oh, that well, like I'm saying, no, well, no, but, well, no, no, the Sentinel thought... isn't telling you what happened in 2000. It's just a good story with a very different. Uh, no, because I, I thought you were material. saying that you didn't know what it. I thought you were saying that it wasn't clear. So that's why I was. No, no. What I mean yeah. is like, okay, the purpose of the obelisk is to be something that is puzzling. It's an enigma, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are meant it, it in the metaphor of the movie and in the reality of the movie to us as an audience is something that we have to work to get something out of. That yeah. is its yeah. function. Absolutely. It is a machine yeah. that makes human beings be more creative. I want that. I don't want someone in a in a hyper literal Wikipedia to tell me this is what the obelisk did. It was done at this point. No, don't. don't okay, do so the work no, that's for fine. Me. But I, I thought you were complaining that two thousand one was like obscure about it, and that was a problem. That's no, it's super clear. Okay, yeah, it's super <laughs> I think clear. everyone gets two thousand one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's really not that ambiguous. It's almost nothing happens in the movie aside from that obelisk and how. 
Well, if you read the novel, you'll you'll know what the ape. Don't want to read is. the novel. <laughs> you'll know the ape's name. <laughs> I don't want to know the ape's name. I don't want them to have language. I want them to ook and use a hammer. I don't think he has language. You just know he has a name. That's all. He has a. Has oh a name. God. <laughs> I hate that the concept of names predate the concept <laughs> of language. I mean, I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I've read it, so maybe they have language, but I don't think they had language in the book. I think they just had names, um, which was probably just purely a function of needing to keep track of the different apes in the story. I don't know. I, I enjoyed Thunder the Barbarian. <laughs> it's my response to this entire conversation. <laughs> I don't I know why the, this I conversation is irritating you so much. Box. Anyway, let's move on. Okay. Um, Adam, would you recommend The Shining? I would. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, really the only criticism I can come, you know, it's the one people make that they sometimes they, I know that the characterization of Jack can be kind of weird, but it doesn't ruin the movie in any way. And in fact, there's different ways you can read it where it, it's valid in its own right. So yeah, I would totally, totally recommend The Shining. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's, because I feel like Jack's a, a person who is flawed and is ultimately overcome by his flaws. Like he, he's well, yeah, only, that's true. He but, makes uh, he, and he makes clear, deliberate choices to to emphasize those flaws because it's easier and more gratifying for him in the short term. You know, like I, I don't feel like he's doomed or damned or there's a predetermined like he's evil. It's like no, the guy was on the slope and he didn't have a lot of good in him, but he had some, and he chose to fail. Well, but yeah. Plus, well, that's that's the thing is he didn't I didn't even do his I'd say the difference duties. No, the I difference between yeah, the difference between book Jack and movie Jack is that book Jack you feel like there's a chance he's going to make it when you're reading the book, mm. and like movie Jack, it's like movie Jack's never he's yeah. he's he's going the wrong direction. He's just going the wrong direction the entire. Yeah, there's which like is that one moment, a valid choice. There's like the one moment in the morning when she brings the breakfast where it looks like maybe. You know, maybe, yeah, but then like two minutes into the conversation, you're like, no, no, uh, no, yeah. no. So, yeah. Well, so it's really I, the, the film shows us the, the methods that he uses to approach life are fundamentally flawed and dooming. Exactly. And he, I agree he, with that completely. He's he's a resentful person. He, bl he blames her for all of the problems that seem to be of mm -hmm. his own making. Um, he, he doesn't mm -hmm. seem to have a realistic grasp. Like he, he also, also the, I, I, maybe you can shed light on this from the book, Adam. But it seems like he is like failing at life really badly. Uh, well, yeah, as he, I told you, he just yeah. he just punched out a kid at school yeah. and got fired from his fancy private school job and desperate to find work yeah. to keep his family alive. That's yeah. the situation where the, where he is. Because yeah. in, yeah, in that job time. interview, he seems pretty eager to please. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That this is his last hope. <laughs> yeah. He says, like, she's a confirmed horror movie fan. And, and then you go see it cuts to her. It's like, this woman is not a horror not movie a fan at all. No, <laughs> no. But yeah, so I, I guess that's The Shining. And I guess I don't know what we're going to do next time. Uh, it will probably be after Halloween, but it might still be the Halloween theme podcast. I, yeah, I, I feel know. like we picked another one, but I've forgotten now. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't keep any of this straight. I mean, we did Gremlins and The Shining this month. What do you people want? Come on. Enjoy your Halloween. <laughs> uh, I can't enjoy Halloween without a podcast to listen to while I trick or treat. I have to deal with sound traffic all weekend. I love that as, as a young man of 59, you're still trick or treating. 
I, you know, I like <laughs> to is not like keep a hand in. I, I just want to make that clear. I am exaggerating his age somewhat for comedic effect. Mildly. Mildly. <laughs> that's that's what makes it comedic is the mildness of it. If you said ninety, I, 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 I meant the I meant the, the, the comedy was mild. But I guess we'll take it that way too. <laughs> it's searing fifty-nine-year-old wit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a slow burn when we get up in years. You know. Um, so, anyways, we'll uh, we'll end it here, and we'll do. I don't know what movie we're doing next time, but we'll, we'll certainly. No one asked me if I was going to recommend The Shining. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, you said I thought you recommended it. Wasn't that? What well, no, I asked if you assholes recommended it. And you did, because of course you so did. So do you recommend The Shining? Joel? Thank you. God, I was trying to get that teed <laughs> up. I I don't know. I don't know if I recommend it. Uh, it actually didn't hit me super hard this last time that I watched it. And I think it's kind of a surprising last minute thing to throw in. Oh, but, but you uh, said at the beginning of the podcast you love this movie. You think it's I great. I adore it. And that was back when I was young, and I hadn't seen a <laughs> what, lot of other An hour things. and a half ago? An hour, hour and a half No, no, ago? no. What I mean is when I watched it the first time I was in my early 20s. Now I'm 35. Okay. And it didn't really spook me as much. I watched it with my girlfriend. She didn't get into it. She was a much bigger fan of the novel. She thought the kid was annoying. Uh, She shares that general... The kid is annoying. The kid is definitely annoying. That's one of my notes. In fact, I don't think that's a flaw of the movie so much as just... I I feel like the kid is an interesting portrayal. Here's my my note. This kid is the most (laughs) unlikable child in all of movie history. (laughs) (laughs) Man, like... And you're comparing him with heavy hitters like the Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Poor, no, I was, I, that I, I considered that. Actor. I considered that. But Anakin at least was entertaining at various. Yeah, points. I was yeah. okay with Anakin Skywalker yeah. as a kid. I don't think we ever should have seen. I think him the problem was kid. we got way too much of Anakin, and we didn't need Anakin in the first place. But you know, yeah, it was the conceptual problem with the prequel trilogy was he like during during Phantom Menace. Like Lucas was defending every choice people hated, but going, but it's just a kids' movie. And then uh, I, all my friends that had kids around that time then had their kids traumatized because they're running around going, I love Anakin. I want to be Anakin when I grow up. And then a few years later, they're watching him burning in lava. And it was like, well, hey, what are you, you know, doing, a kids? You want to be Anakin now? You know, when I was a kid, we saw Bambi's mother die. You know, that's just the. <laughs> that's <laughs> and I'm a man now, yeah. baby. Yeah, that's a. There's just. It's just it's just weird to put out a kids movie about you know your your about fictional your f- fictional well, yeah, genocidal I don't, dictator. Yeah. Well, Star Wars is kind of weird. You know what it is? It's that because it incorporated Muppet technology, I think that really did muddy the waters around what exactly. Well, it's no having it muddied as towards kids is fine. It was just why would you focus a movie on the childhood of Darth Vader no, and make I, oh, it appealing to kids? Yeah. That's yeah, just that's, that's, that's just there's something wrong with you, George. Yeah, yeah, that was on full display in the Phantom Menace. That was a movie where someone should have said no to him much earlier in the process. What was funny is everybody came out of that movie was like, I liked it. Like they were like we were trying to tell it, like we were, yeah, because it was at that point when Lucas could do no wrong before the Phantom Menace came out. He was he was like as close to a god as you can get in the culture Mm -hmm. in terms of people hanging on his every word. And Star Wars was like at a pinnacle of mm-hmm. everybody liked it and there were people that the were original trilogy things. is almost untouchable and yeah. then you watch the phantom minutes and you're like oh that was what you thought that was the pr- oh, that was what took, happened beforehand i, I, I remember the first red flag 
when the when the big entertainment weekly article magazine came out beforehand there was they were talking about how george lucas was bragging about i wrote the entire script on one 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 weekend before we started shooting and it's just, what what really? is that true <laughs> Yeah, that he, I don't know if it's true. Lucas claimed it as a good thing that he sprouted it all in one weekend. I mean, I uh, it was just I, I, I was think, just like I think that's I, a, I, I feel like that must be an exaggeration because I know I saw footage of him writing. Or oh, well, there were probably yeah. rewrites and stuff yeah. too. But I'm just saying. But I was like, just the fact he thought that was like clever. I was like. Like that, I didn't necessarily believe it, but why, why do you think that's I mean, a good thing? Just like scribble this thing out down there rapidly. Maybe he said yeah. that so that people would be like, "Hey, he wrote it in a weekend. What do you expect?" You know. Like, I would, you know. I would, I would rather have a movie like Empire Strikes Back that he did not write. But yeah. there you go. Well, well that's probably. <laughs> the, I mean, that's probably the thing with it is they should have had it be written more like the previous ones were written. But I think again, that yeah. way, I understand why he might have thought. He was the man to write the whole thing, you know, because we all oh, felt yeah. that way. You know, we all, oh, we all, don't we all never huff your it. own hype, dude. That's the yeah. worst drug. Well, yeah. every everybody believed the hype, is what I'm saying. It was just like, well, oh right, but I mean, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have because should, no one, gave, but... nobody should ever believe their own hype. Lord he knows, stay behind the curtain. Yeah. No, I agree, but I mean, you got to think of it like he's been living off that for oh, how yeah, many no, decades I... up to that point? You know, oh yeah, yeah, it consumed him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I also think he was rusty too when he got back into it. Because what was yeah? Well, I mean, because really... the next movie that he he did was way better, leagues better. It was still bad, but it was like well, a lot better. Let's face it too: his his wife was his editor too before uh, his ex wife was his editor, so he he lost uh, a very potent weapon there. Yeah, no, and she was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But so, also, yeah, it's, uh, I repeating the Star Wars trilogy is also probably like. Mm. Not pot, you know what I mean? It's just well, like to be fair, it's done been done once successfully, so yeah, it's definitely lightning yeah. in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, because people Every tried it the other way too. And it, yeah, so, but I don't know. I I don't know how we. How do we get Star on Wars Star Wars? Wars? I, I forgot know. how we got child here. actors. Um, and this oh, yeah. being the worst one. But yeah, no, That's the kid's right. annoying. Um, because apparently he's really likable and precocious in the book. Um, so yeah, I and again. My girlfriend bounced off this movie, and I, uh, we have our differences of opinion, but I don't think it's invalid to read this as kind of not that impressive. I mean, maybe maybe it's just not. It's one of those things that requires a lot of concentration. I think you kind of have to be yeah. in the world of the movie for it to hit, and if you're sort of not willing to commit to it, I, d- I don't think that it does hit. Well, Kubrick movies are very slow. They they do move yeah. very slowly, and in a horror movie, that could certainly be something that a person might be like, "This needs to pick up the pace," right? Right, um, and you could also genuinely dislike the character of Jack. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. part of the thing that makes this movie get under my skin is that I see a lot of myself in that guy because I also am a temperamental, yeah. self centered creative with impulse control issues. Therefore, even though I dislike Jack, I understand him because I kind of am him in a lot of ways. And if you're not that kind of person and you're just like, wow, this guy's a total asshole, then maybe you just bounce off of him and there's no sympathy and the horror doesn't ring as true because you don't see the damnation of this man as, as a sympathetic thing. You see it as, well, yeah, no, the, put him in hell. It's where he deserves to be. Well, I think I yeah. think where the horror registers for people is fear for the Shelley Duvall character in this. Oh, yeah. Like, but know. if you see her as annoying and terrible. But I saw her as annoying, but I was rooting for her to survive because I still found her like, I mean, like I saw like I could I guess the way I would put it is I saw her 
as annoying when she was talking to Jack, but when she was conversing with other people, I found her very charming. That well, that's sense. what I think. I don't find her annoying. I feel like she's just when she's talking to Jack, she's just on eggshells and she's kind oh, of yeah. freaking out. That's yeah. I, I think I, I actually really like her performance in the, that for the, that reason. No, I feel I, like she I, really captures that energy. I think the performance is good. I have no complaints about her performance. Yeah. Um, so, and it might be to some degree that I'm blinded by my own adoration of this movie, but yeah, seeing and, someone who's never seen it before watch it and not have any kind of emotional reaction to it was well, a sobering moment for me this last viewing. So would I recommend it? I don't know. I don't know that I recommend this to a modern audience. Uh, it might not play as well, which is kind I mean, of tragic, yeah, I think. But that's always, like, I recommend so many old-fashioned movies, and, you know, people will be like, Brendan, what's the deal with the sets? What's the deal with this? You know, like, yep. why is the movie you moving? Never so know I would, I would, audience. yeah, on the Jack Nicholson thing, something that's never, never occurred to me when I was younger is just how old Jack Nicholson is in this movie. Because yeah. if you read the book, it's like, he's a guy who's just gotten married. He's got a little kid. He He's had his first job at a private school that he's like blown up. And it's just like, none yeah, of, none of the background that his character really works for a guy who's in his forties, you know, which is where yeah. Jack Nicholson is by this point. But, but what it's you see like, in the movie, I think, like I, I thought of, Oh yeah, I just this is where digging deeper, deeper into the movie. It's just mm-hmm. a, a thought that occurred to me. I'm like, I feel like you know, I, I don't know, early twenties guy that's being portrayed by an early forties guy. Um, exactly, exactly. Oh. But, but just a minor, minor thought that popped into my head. Um, we have okay, probably so. got to the point where most people are stopped listening we, now, so we should. Yeah, we could probably stop recording because uh, yeah, they're yeah, all gone. Okay. Let's all see. Right, uh, so. Yeah, the seats are empty. <laughs> All right, so we will end it here, and we will be back next time with another movie.